welcome to Practice Pursuit for Therapists, the podcast dedicated to guiding therapists on the path to launch and grow their own successful private practice. We are Rachel and Adrian, and we are thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Navigating the world of private practice can be a daunting endeavor filled with uncertainties, and that's where this podcast comes in. Practice Pursuit for Therapists is here to host open and honest discussions around the most challenging aspects of being a therapreneur. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the crucial and intimidating aspects of starting a business. We want to support you in this emotional journey. We're here to help you take meaningful steps to overcome insecurities and doubts that might otherwise hold you back. Let's get started. So today we're going to talk a little bit about one of the most important first decisions you need to make when starting your practice if you are going to accept insurance or if you're going to go the private pay route. There's a lot of clinicians out there that would say do private pay for a lot of different reasons. Working with insurance can be difficult and time-consuming. Private pay, you make more money, but you're required to do more marketing. There's a lot of pros and cons to both, so we can talk a little bit about that today. I am paneled with most private insurances like Anthem, Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Cigna, yeah. And Adrian is paneled with Medicaid, which is a federal insurance. So Adrian, tell us a little bit about that process. So the process for Medicaid here in Colorado, anyway, I can't speak for other states, but here in Colorado was really, really challenging. It took me at least a solid year to get credentialed with Medicaid as an individual, and that was me doing my credentialing on my own. And then when I decided that I wanted to start hiring other clinicians and I needed to get credentialed as a business, I hired somebody to do that for me. And it still took seven months with a professional (laughs) doing it. And so it was quite cumbersome. You know, there's the process of first getting credentialed with the federal site. So going on and getting that done, which is so confusing. You have to do trainings to be able to even fill out the application correctly. I want to say that took me a solid eight hours. It was a full day of watching these trainings and then filling out my application to make sure I got every checkbox correct and everything so that it would go through the first time. And so mine went through the first time, which is kind of unheard of because most people don't sit there and spend eight hours on their application. And so then it gets bounced back to them. But every time it gets bounced back, it's like an, it adds like another two weeks onto your credentialing process because then it has to go back through the whole same system. So I think if you're going to credential with Medicaid, it's worth it to, if you're doing it on your own, to invest that time into watching the videos. It's a pain, it's boring, but I think it's worth it to save you time on the back end. But then once I was credentialed with the federal site, then I had to go and in Colorado, they break the state into regions and you have to credential then with each region if you want to take Medicaid. So I chose to only take Medicaid in the region that I am located in for a variety of reasons. One of them being that I knew that with the pandemic ending, there would be a good chance that I would have to see some of these people in person. And I didn't want to open myself up to all these other regions where that's just not going to be a reality. And then I wind up losing clients later on down the road. So I only credentialed with the region that I live in. And that process took 
forever. I don't know if it's a staffing issue. I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but submitting the application was the easy part. Their application was simple and I got it in within a couple of hours. And then you just wait and you wait forever. And then you follow up and you wait forever for a response. And that, I mean, that's really the process. It's waiting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then they send you your contract you sign your contract. And then after you sign your contract, it still takes another two to four weeks before you can start seeing clients because they need to have it registered in the system. So it's quite a process. And I, I'm i glad I did it, especially with economy being what it is right now. You know, if people lose jobs, it's really nice that if they jump on Medicaid, I can see them. I still have to learn some of the ins and outs because I have a friend who told me that because I am credentialed on the federal side, that I can still see clients in other regions, even though I'm not credentialed. I'm just an out-of-network therapist with those regions. But I don't know the validity of that, and I haven't tested that. One of the things though, that with insurance always has me a little bit uncomfortable is the fact that they can take their money back. If they audit your notes and they don't like your notes and they don't think that your client met medical necessity for what you did, they can take their money back. And I think that is the part that I do not like about insurance and what makes it kind of a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not paneled with Medicaid and I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but It's my understanding that Medicaid is one of the more strict about the policies and auditing and things like that, having your treatment plans, all that. I mean, that should be up to date anyways. Medicaid, from my understanding, is more strict about that. I tried to get paneled with TRICARE. It's been over two years now, still haven't heard anything, and I've called just to check up on the process, and they aren't able to tell me a timeline. They said starting out, it usually takes about three to six months. Well, two years later, still nothing. So I've kind of given up on TRICARE. I have never been paneled with Medicaid. What are some of the pros, you would say, are to being paneled with Medicaid? Medicaid pays really quickly. So within a few days of submitting my, what is it called? Claim. (laughs) Claim. There's the word. Within days of submitting my claim, I get paid. And it's direct deposit straight to my bank account. So that part is really nice. The claim submission is very easy once you're in the system. I think it's very similar to private insurance payments. So I, I like that part. And like I said, I think the access, you know, they pay, they pay okay. And the accessibility for people who are maybe underserved is the part that I really like about it. That's the reason I wanted to get credentialed with Medicaid was to be able to work with everybody, you know, mm-hmm. not just the people who are full, fully employed. And, you know, there's so many people who are underemployed and struggling. And so I do like that part. That's about it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, with the private insurances, the paneling process is a little time consuming, but it's not like Medicaid where you have to watch training videos. I mean, everyone has to create a CAQH profile. That's everybody. Every provider needs to have a CAQH profile. That can be confusing because 
It's really written for doctors. And so there's a lot of sections and questions and things that don't apply to us. And that can be hard to navigate. I have heard of a lot of people using a professional to complete that form online just to make sure everything is good. And then for each private insurance, you go on their website and you create a profile and fill out an application, which takes maybe 30 minutes at most. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then some use like a third party application process. Like there's a website called Availity that some of them use. So, it, you know, you do the application through there and then you can also submit claims there. You check eligibility and benefits for clients there. It'd be really nice if all insurances use the same system for that. Yeah. But they don't. And it's okay. I, you know, Cigna has their own website. United has their own website. Anthem and Aetna use Availity. I also take Compsych, which is an employee assistant program. And then for their own companies, they have ongoing services. They do not pay the best. Mm. But with all private insurances, you're not going to get the pay you want. But every year you can request a increase in pay and most insurances will give you that. So now for me, after several years of being independently credentialed with a bunch of the insurances, the pay is closer to what I would like it to be. Still not quite where I want it to be, but that is a nice thing about insurance is knowing that you can request a pay raise every year. That, you know, that's a con for Medicaid, right? Because Medicaid pays a set rate. And so unless the federal, it's all based on this federal rate, Medicaid and Medicare uh, base their payout on, and that will not change unless they change it. So it doesn't matter if you're a clinician with 30 years experience or if you're a clinician straight, fully just brand new license, you're going to get paid the same amount. And that can be frustrating, you know, especially as you get more and more trainings that cost a lot of money, you would like your reimbursement to be higher. So that is one of the cons with Medicaid. With your payouts, with your private insurances, do you feel like you are making closer or close to what you would make in a private pay scenario? Close. And I say close again, after I've had multiple pay increases over the Mm -hmm. years. Definitely not what I would like, which is, I think, one reason why most, not maybe not most, a lot of clinicians these days are saying do private pay only. One reason, and we could get into like a political debate about this, which is not the point, <laughs> but insurances, I think what clinicians are kind of hearing from insurances is that our services are not as beneficial as maybe a medication provider would be. The pay is significantly different. They did go to med school. You know, they should be paid more, maybe. But, you know, the the pay for some insurances is just ridiculously low. Like, Mm. it's angering how low some of them pay, especially for the employee assistance programs. I mean, I started with one of them for like $60 a session. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, that's the employee assistant programs are good because they get people in the door. You're not committing to getting paid that amount for the duration of that individual's treatment. You know, it's only like three sessions, five sessions, 
And then you either do private pay with them after or private insurance if they want to continue, which in my experience, most of them have wanted to. So it's a way to get the foot in the door, but it is really low pay and no one deserves to be paid that low. Yeah. Because $60 an hour sounds like great money, right? But when you are self-employed, taking out that at least 30% in taxes and having to pay your own health insurance and all of Mm -hmm. these things that really doesn't add up. Yeah. And really you could say, oh, that's $60 an hour, which sounds nice, but one hour session with a person involves also note-taking. Sometimes that involves communicating with insurance if a claim was denied. So then the appeal process is a whole ordeal. You know, there's a lot of admin work, you have to do that's not paid. So it's not really $60 an hour. It's, you know, $60 for maybe two or three hours. Comparatively, that could be good pay, but for someone doing private practice, that's not sufficient. Yeah. It's not sustainable. So that's something to consider. It is frustrating too, that each insurance pays differently per state. So I was actually making a lot less in Colorado than I am in Virginia now, which is really interesting to me. So each state regulates the pay. Well, each insurance determines the pay, and then that's different per state. Hmm. So I still see clients in Colorado virtually, and I make about two-thirds of what I make, maybe even less for some, what I make in Virginia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, if you're going to be working in different states, that's a thing to think about too, what the pay difference is going to be per state. Wow. Yeah. If you were to do it again, knowing what you know, would you credential with all of the insurance companies or would you stick to just a few? That's a good question. I think I would do more research on which ones pay better and also get more information from other people in the field about their experience with the insurances. Some insurances are so easy to work with. It's nice, no matter the pay, to just know there's not going to be bumps in the road with this insurance. I would probably ask people about their experience with insurances and do more research about the pay. It's actually really hard to find information on what the pay is going to be. They don't advertise that. You kind of have to ask around and then one provider might be paid different than another provider, which is Mm -hmm. also kind of frustrating, but that's based on the number of years they've been paneled, the amount of times they've asked for a pay raise, things like that. And then there's some licenses that are paid different. I don't know how that all works, but I have heard of that happening. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Did you find, and I don't know if you even would know if this affected it at all, but you know, you and I both started in private practice with our credentialing through another agency. The other agency did our billing and our credentialing. Having been credentialed with those insurance companies under this agency, did that help you in advocating? No, I thought it would because I could say I've been paneled with Anthem for this amount of years now, can I come in at the rate of being paneled this amount of years? They said, no, you have to, even though your MPI is in their system, it's under a new tax ID and a new business name, and they 
consider that completely starting from scratch. So that's something to consider. That is frustrating. Yeah. 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 So is it worth it then to do it on your own if there are other agencies that have been around for longer that pay a percentage of what they get paid, which is going to be more than what you would get paid starting out? What do you think the pros and cons would be of that? That's a good question, too. I have a lot of thoughts on this. So I just want to throw this out there. These are my opinions. They are not facts. Do your research. So one of the reasons I wanted to do it all on my own is just that's kind of also my personality. I like to learn how to do things. And then I know even if I hire someone down the road to do that insurance maintenance stuff for me, I know what that process entails. And so I can be collaborative in that and not just blindly trust this other person to do it all. I mean, you know, that's what they do for a living. I'm sure they're great at it. But I personally like knowing what all that entails. Yeah. And if it requires my intervention in any way, then I know what to do. So part of it's just my personality. Some people really want the assurance of a professional doing the paneling for them for peace of mind and to not have the anxiety and stress that goes along with figuring it out on your own and not being sure if you're doing it right. As for going to companies that are already established where you go into a company and you get paneled under their business and then you get a percentage of the pay, I have heard a lot of people say they really like that because it's easy, it's seamless, you get paid quickly, which I also want to say I get paid quickly with private insurances too. It's anywhere between three days and a week usually. Oh, that's fantastic. People say they get more money than they would make if they were doing it on their own. I have asked some people what they make and I actually make more And again, that could be per state, that could be per license, that could be per specialty. I'm not really sure how all that works, but I have yet to find someone in one of those businesses that actually make more than what I'm making. I have heard of some companies that pay really, really well. When you work with them, it's my understanding that you have to have a contract with them that means you only see their patients. You don't go outside of that. So again, not sure how that works. I don't want to try to represent these companies inappropriately, but I think what you get from going to a company like that is ease of mind, less stress, quick pay. It's all streamlined. You don't have to put a whole lot of thought into it. You don't have to put marketing into Mm -hmm. it. Like you pretty much just see clients write notes submit claims and everything else is done for you, which is nice. So I think you really have to ask yourself what aligns with what you want for yourself. What feels best for you? Tap into your intuition. For me, it felt best to learn the whole process myself and make 100% of the profit and use that extra income to put towards growing the business. But yeah, I think it, it. what it really comes down to is what is your priority? Is it your priority to have a streamlined, easy practice? You just 
shut your computer at the end of the day and you're done? Or do you want to be hands all in doing it all yourself, making 100% of the profit and having more work to do? Yeah. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to Mm -mm. do it. Right. And there's, like you said in the beginning, there are so many people who advocate for private pay only, and it has lots of pros. You get paid right away. You get a higher rate. You don't have to deal with insurance coming back and taking your money back Mm -hmm. if they don't like your claims and you have to collect money and be your own bookkeeper in that way. And you have to market yourself and find those clients. And that's a lot of work. And so that's all time you don't get paid for. And so then does it actually balance out? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to have someone who does private pay only talk about this. I'd love to hear. I mean, I have asked a lot of people. I've heard a lot of perspectives. For me, what it came down to was wanting people to have access to services. If we're all private pay, then we're serving only the people who can afford private pay. Mm-hmm. Some people have sliding scale fees that requires knowing what your client's financial status is and reevaluating as you go and having sp- specific parameters and guidelines around who can use the si- sliding scale fee. And it's almost like being in a contract with a client. You have to continuously evaluate. That sounds like a lot for me, and I don't do that. You know, I have a set rate. If someone is seeing me for private pay, that's the rate it is. And I I don't budge from that. For some people, they might have lower rates, making it more accessible for clients. But then you would have to make up that by adding, you know, maybe even doubling your caseload. So for me, it's a matter of people having access to services not having to do a lot of marketing. You know, I have a Psychology Today profile. I have my own website and that's all the marketing I do. When I am paneled with the insurance, I'm automatically uploaded in a database, in a directory where people can say, I need a therapist in this area that does EMDR. My name comes up. That's free marketing. Yeah. So as long as I've been paneled with insurances, I've never had trouble keeping my caseload where I want it to be. It's my understanding that with private pay, you do a lot more marketing, a lot more networking. And and I think it depends on the area you live in, too. Mm-hmm. The average income yeah. can have a lot to do with it. Yeah, and how saturated the market is with therapists. Yeah. So the area that I am in, I don't know, like five years ago, I was trying to get private pay clients because it was during my pre-licensed time. And I was told (laughs) by one of the EAPs that my area, my zip code was so saturated with therapists that I was like 1,000th on the list, which is why I wasn't getting any referrals. So, you know, all of these things come into play. They come into play with your Psychology Today profile and all of those things as well. And so really finding a way to market yourself in a niche that stands out if you are doing private pay and making yourself really attractive to your ideal client versus, you know, I don't know, for me, I did the same thing, right? Starting out, it was really nice to have the process streamlined and taken care of for me and not having to do that like work so that I could just focus on figuring out what it even meant to be in private practice and get my head around it and figuring out telehealth and all the systems and how to submit a claim. So 
Yeah. yeah. All that is really overwhelming mm-hmm. when you're first starting. It's intimidating. It's hard to know, you know, even if you do all the Googling, all the reading, all the asking questions of friends, it's still hard to know if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of legal implications and liabilities. It's very intimidating. So I think that doing something like that, like starting with a company that's already established and you know, for those companies, you still have your own practice. You you still are in control of everything. It's just they are taking a percentage of what you make to cover marketing, claim submission, dealing with insurance, all that stuff. So that's yeah. really nice to have all that taken care of for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? That's it. Thank you all for joining in and listening to Practice Pursuit for Therapists. Please like, subscribe, and share if you loved this episode. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you next time.